Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is all about questions and answers. We, uh, we posed a question on social media, which is, what do you want to know? We decided to do another Ask Me Anything slash Q&A for you, our listeners. And as expected, we got an eclectic mix of questions and comments. So we took each one, pretty much I think all questions that were asked, we got to, maybe missed a few, but everything ranging from business, some clinical questions, to pretty wide open philosophy questions. We did not shy away from any of them. So I hope you enjoy this Ask Me Anything listener question and answer. Let us know what you think. And before we get into the podcast, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Ascend Event. You know, we're big fans of business here at Therapy Insiders and UpDoc Media. That's why I'm incredibly excited to attend and present with my partner, Dr. Ben Fung at Ascend Business Summit in Fort Worth, Texas on September 9th and 10th. Stick around to the end of this episode where I share a little bit more information about the Ascend Business Summit, as well as a special discount code for you, our listeners, just because, well, you're awesome, for $100 off of your tickets. All right, let's jump into this Therapy Insiders podcast episode answering your questions. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Chirakabrad here with Dr. Joe Palmer, Dr. Ursin Rilihi Oso for our um, our semi semi annual at this point, all three of us episode. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, Gene. Ah, um, nothing's up with me. Just the usual. Joe, it's good to have you back. Unless you've actually been back and I haven't been on, so it's good to have you back with me. I guess. Yeah, yeah, good to be back with you. I I, I did uh, did the oh, second Jess. episode with Jess on uh, concussion, but uh, I'm I'm still getting back in the swing here. Um, but but feels good to be back. And why are you getting back in the swing of things, Joe? Remind us again. Well, lack of sleep mainly, but uh, uh, six six week old child now, so uh, he's he's growing. Everything's good. Wow, it's been six weeks already. I know. That's it's kind of crazy. It's it's shocking. But um, how's 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 baby life since since we last talked about it? Uh, it's it's still good, Gene. It's still good. Yeah, I, I mean it's <laughs> it, it is it is. It's a very cool thing, you, you know, to, he's starting to, he's a little early, but he's, he's starting to do like a little bit of social smile, which, you know, come on, that, that makes it kind of all worth it. Once, once you can get him to kind of give you a little smile, uh, you know, but anyway, not, Does he uh, you? uh, he, he, my wife, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little quicker with the, uh, <laughs> with the diaper block. Yeah. Um, but, and skills. Uh, hashtag skills. <laughs> Um, but you know, that doesn't mean he hasn't attempted and he'll continue to do so. And it's like, it's, it's the little things. And in this episode, we'll, we'll get into a lot of questions from, from users, but I feel like it's, it's the questions I remember that I was asking before Aaron and a little bit less extent when Zoe's born, but when Aaron was born, um, and then like you go through that transition. I think the first two weeks are tough transition period, but after two weeks, it's, it's like you said, like little things start coming, the smile, um, and, and just like these little moments that happen almost kind of erase everything before that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the 18th hole in golf, right? Joe, you could have a shitty 17 holes, but that 18th hole you birdie. And it's like golf is the greatest game ever. Yeah, sometimes it only takes a, a, a shot. You know, you hit a really, really good shot. Sometimes it's not even a hole, you know? Well, I like to. Maybe, I mean, we we, we can we can hope that we have a good hole. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of <laughs> like that. Like you, you, you can get peed on, poop on the walls, nonstop crying, and then 
your baby kind of looks at you and smirks and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. It does erase a lot of things. I like the, it was only two weeks. After, after two weeks, Joe, Gene was smooth sailing with his baby. Yeah, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't say I feel the same, but, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm glad for him. I'm glad for him. Well, look, my my wife Jamie, she took she took a lot the the grunt of that, so she she was a trooper and she is with the second one. Um, so it, it's a lot easier for me to say that, but um, yeah, I mean the babies were pretty good too. <laughs> but kids, kids obviously bring a lot of questions, and and apparently so do we. So we decided um, to do a Ask Me Anything or um, Q&A for those of you that um, so so choose to call it. And uh, we put, we'll put out the, the question on social media. Um, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about business? What do you want to know about entrepreneurship? What do you want to know about the clinic? And um, as always, our, our listeners and um, community members responded with some really good questions, most of them. Some of them asked them silly questions but um of the bunch there's some pretty good ones so um before we get into that i feel like we need to we need to talk about the monkey in the room urson and joe or or the thing in the room which which i'm kind of hating myself for even asking this question because i'm so over it within the span of 24 hours but what is the deal with cupping What's the deal? What's the deal? What's yeah, the deal? You're just. Uh, what, what, what do you, what do, you do with the cups? What's, what the hell? It's just like any other passive treatment. You know, I just said that when I use it, my patients don't look like Michael Phelps. They don't look like they were attacked by the Kraken. Like it looks like, you know, he he just like walked off the set of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, you know, do you say I, Caribbean or Caribbean? I say Caribbean. Every time? Uh, pretty much. Why? Do they say it interchangeably in the movie? Or do they even say Caribbean in the movie? <laughs> no, just some people, you know, tomato, tomato, just, yeah. I guess, a weirder tomato or a weirder tomato. Even though um, I, I feel like Caribbean and Caribbean may be very interchangeable. I don't think I've ever actually heard anyone say tomato. I've heard it a couple times, kind of weird, but yeah. maybe maybe it's not that extreme, but... Um, I feel, I don't know, to me it seems like I have to work harder to say Caribbean than Caribbean. What do you think, Joe? Uh, no, I'm, I'm a Caribbean guy. Yeah. yeah. Arson, you, you and your novel inputs. Yes. You know what? Cupping is, because so many people are used to being poked, prodded, pressed, rolled, I just think it's novel because you distract. You distract the tissue. Interesting tidbit for you guys, because I come from a Eastern European background, because um, I was born in Ukraine. Um, I remember cupping being used for colds. It was it was never used for musculoskeletal things. I still remember uh, when I was little guy, maybe five years old or something like that. Um, if somebody got a really bad chest cough um, or chest cold, um, these cups were used and, and there was no external suction on them. So what, what people would do is you would light um, a little newspaper inside it and the fire would suck the oxygen out. So you would have to put it in and stick it on you really quick to create that suction effect. Yeah, that's the original cupping. That's moxibustion. What'd you call me? I called you a moxie bustion. I've been called worse today. <laughs> that's pretty much how it was done before there were mechanical pumps. So that that's how I remember cupping. Um, what what's the me- what's the proposed mechanism, Erson? I don't know what the proposed mechanism that other people say things are any more than, you know, if you're going to talk about traditional proposed mechanisms, like how people say joint mobilizations deforms joint capsule, then I don't know what the proposed joint, you know, me, everything is an input. Everything is novel input. I think that if there's anything mechanical about it, you certainly get a lot of tissue distraction. And I think the only mechanical indication is maybe post-op where someone's been immobilized for a while and you have uh, a lot of skin immobility, but otherwise I just think it's just another, it's another way to, you know, bring novel input to the CNS via skin stimulation, uh, firing those mechanoreceptors of the superficial fascia in the skin. I mean, 
right. every other manual, every manual therapy is all it is is an input. They're all not really any different. I mean, some of them work better than others, but in the end, it's all about patient preference and how well you can explain it. I mean, you you, you think that that cupping force uh, applies enough distraction uh, to the fascia to have to have an effect? I mean, I. I I don't think I said, anything, yeah, I mean, not to interrupt you, but there's nothing that applies enough force to fascia. Right, and you've said that multiple that. times before. That's that's yeah. what I, uh, that's that's why I'm bringing that up, because I, I don't think it, I don't think it does either. No, um, even, even, if, even with a flame and, and a vacuum, it doesn't. <laughs> well, the, the flame is much more impressive, let's be honest. If somebody's going to, like, uh, pull out and some fire and, and light the end of a a cup that's attached to your body on fire. There's, there's some kind of, uh, you know, showmanship about yeah, that. Like yeah. you should, you should video it. And for sure. <laughs> for sure. No, I mean, yeah, man, that's why I like needling and manipulation is so awesome. Right. Because it's just so different. I mean, yeah. If you're going to gonna make something, who would you rather have like a flaming dessert, like baked Alaska or just like a piece of apple pie? I mean, yeah, you're going with the, the uh, baked Alaska every time. Right. So there we go. Uh, stay away from regular cupping and um, start using fire. Damn, man. <laughs> ISTM2, which is coming out at the beginning of September, Mike and I, it's all flaming cups, let me tell you. Flaming cups. I think the literature has a long way to go before before cupping becomes uh, a, a mainstream technique in the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, well, who knows, man? But after this Olympics, I do. I do like uh, that was that was yours, uh, the manual therapist, right? Uh, the the crying picture of Michael Jordan. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, that 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 to me is is what I think about because um, because we, as PTs we have to answer all the questions about the ta- uh, K tape and. Uh, cupping now so this year yeah this year um you know i was just at wegman's and they all they have a kt tape stand at wegman's and it's like the official tape of team usa i was like wow that's why so many i mean i know in the past they've worn every olympics and it always comes up hey what's the tape what's the tape what's up with the patterns up with the colors the colors matter this or that but now i mean it's actually officially they're officially yeah i think i think what i'm gonna say is that you put the tape on to cover up your cupping welts. Nice. You know, nice, so yes. so once you get cupped, then you need to apply the tape uh, and enough of it so that you, so that you don't you don't see the the bruises. That's that's a really good one. That's I like good. it. I'll just put that in. That's going to be tomorrow's meme. <laughs> Synergistic effect. Right. With a little flair, with a little style. All right, so um, now that we got the cupping out of the way, um, problem solved, let's jump into the questions. So one of the questions coming from Dan Johnson. Dan asked, do you know of PT or chiropractic clinics that offer walk-in appointments? Do you think this is a viable business idea? If you don't think it's viable with eval, since most would argue a good one usually takes an hour, how about having a PT perform wellness evaluation slash physicals in a walk-in fashion? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I'll I'll go first. I'm in a gym, and um, I have advertised that before in the past. And even even before my current box gym situation, I was in a tennis club and a gym. And really, the only people ever took advantage of it are people who hurt themselves acutely. And I just saw all kinds of crazy things. Like I saw one guy who was just being carried in by his two tennis buddies. And uh, he's like, oh, I think I did something to my hamstring. And it was either his hamstring or his calf. And it was completely evolved. And I just said, does does he need ice? Does he need heat? And I'm like, he needs a surgeon. Um, He needs help now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, nothing I'm going to do is going to reattach that. But yeah, should have cupped him. <laughs> I should have. I could have like totally just pulled it back up with enough, maybe with a little flame. Um, just showing him some fascia. Right. Uh, I think there 
depending on your business model, there could be, and I also used to work with a guy who, who, when people would walk in, he would just squeeze them in. He would just squeeze them in and make it work. And he was just such a nice concierge kind of guy. Like they were waiting. He would make them coffee from the Keurig. He would get them a magazine or a book and he just made it work. And I think those patients realized that because they walked in, that they kind of deserve to wait a little bit. And all those other patients were just so used to the precedent he set. Like my, my thing was I, I hated being late for more than five minutes and he was he would put someone on heat for 45 minutes and eventually get to them and they would still be happy to see him so I think it's the precedent that you set I don't think it could work for me and it is if you tend to spend a lot of time with your patients it would probably really screw up your schedule I mean when someone came in for me on the wrong day I would ask my my business partner if they, he could take them because it would just it would just throw me off you know it wouldn't work for me I don't know about you guys how about you guys what do you think Joe um, we do not full evaluations, but we'll, we'll do, uh, a consultation, um, like a, a walk-in consultation, but it's, it's mainly just, uh, what, what you would do over the phone, right? You, you'd, you'd hear their symptoms, you'd, uh, give them a few things that, that you'd like to look at, um, and try to give them some, uh, acute management strategies. Um, it, it's not meant to be an initial evaluation. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really meant to be, a uh, segue into, into a scheduling, um, for, for further consult. So, um, I, you know, I think that you need you need to be flexible enough to do some uh, do at least that if you're not flexible enough to do at least that then uh i think that um you you're going to lose people that that are looking for that immediate attention um and so it we're we're able to to make that work and and sometimes it's sometimes it is uh stressful um but the reality is that you're not seeing you're not seeing a lot of those fly in the door it's kind of like urson said <laughs> you're 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 not uh you're not treating those every day yeah, absolutely. I think it's like you said, Joe, um, I think it presents a perfect, um, it, it's, it's a lead that's, that's asking you to, to pretty much, you know, take a customer. Um, so it, it's, it's a great opportunity to triage, to get them in, to get their information, um, to, to educate them, you know, at the very least, which, which is a powerful thing. And, um, if, if, if nobody else is hurt in terms of the experience of other patients. Like if you don't have to pull your other PTs or, um, really create, create a, a, an atmosphere of, of too much stress, which, which is dependent again on, on your culture and your environment. Um, then, then I see it as, as a great opportunity to, um, to do the 10 to 15 minutes and, and put them on the schedule, you know, you'll have their information and, and the ability to get them in there. So I think it's, it's a good opportunity as long as it fits into the model. Uh, but it, it can't be, it can't be like you said, or it's like, it can't be 45 minutes that people that have scheduled are, are waiting because that, that can create animosity. Unless you're my former business partner who literally one time, uh, I, I just lost a student and I had to put my one five thirty on his schedule. So I put her on heat and I said, Hey Terry, you know, so-and-so she's on your schedule today. An hour later I said, Hey, you know, Mrs. so-and-so she's still waiting for you in her room. So he goes in, he, he gets all flustered, as flustered as he could possibly get, which really nothing flusters him. And, you know, he treats her. I don't really hear anything of it. The next time she comes in, she's like, hey, can I have that guy again? Like, that's that's how nice he is. Like, she, he forgot about her, and she didn't even mind. Is that how nice he is? That's or how nice. much of an asshole you were? Um, maybe a bit of both, but... Jeez, probably just, probably how nice he was. We just went all E now. How many swear words do we have to get before we go E on iTunes? I think it's one. I think okay. they're pretty... Um, you just put us over the limit. Well, we get more listeners when there's an E, so oh, we, have to, we have to hit the quota. <laughs> we, have to, we have to do it. Re- research shows, Urson, the more you cuss, the more authoritative you seem. <laughs> all right. Just, just get it all out. I just did. All right. All right, Frank, you don't have to celebrate it. 
right. What's next? Next question comes from Igor Kozlov. Pain science, explanation mark. How <laughs> deep to go into it? How, some people re- research it and forget that biomechanics exists too. Would you spend 15 to 20 minutes on it or incorporate it along the treatment session? Uh, is that the same thing? I mean, I guess since I'm the resident pain science guy here, I'll spend as much time as someone needs. And certainly, I mean, I just saw someone who was acute. They had acute TMJ issue. Um, and, you know, I just felt like she really didn't need to hear everything was coming from her brain or about perceived threat or anything. And it seemed like she had a clear directional preference and she she was easily helped with some mobilization. And I still taught her that she needs to be, you know, very compliant and it's all about the dosage. Um, but I don't think she needed to hear that message. I mean, the, the thing about pain science is you have to, you have to be like water and be very, very flexible. You can't force a square peg into a round hole. Some people are really ready to hear it and other people will be offended uh, at the, at the mention of it. I mean, so you can't just latch on to something that is is seemingly very evidence-based. But I can tell you that recently there was a bug that was pretty much found in 90, something like 99% of every fMRI software for the past 10 years. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so every study where they looked at a brain with the fMRI is pretty much invalidated. Um, So pain science, pain science is not pain script, right? Right. I feel like this is what what... the the divide comes into is like people that are proponents of pain science, which everybody should be a freaking proponent of pain science because it's having a, it's having a conversation with the patient to help them understand what's going on. If you have the same script, the same broken record over and over, it's from your brain, blah, 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 blah. And you don't have that back and forth. If you, if you don't build that understanding, um, if you don't think like the patient thinks, then it, it doesn't matter how good you are at understanding the science of it. You, you have to have that soft skill to to make the person understand what's happening, right? Right. There, there's another thing, too. Um, Corey Zimney, who researches pain science for a living, uh, he teaches for ISBI. They have they wrote one of my favorite texts, uh, Therapeutic Neuroscience Education. I recommend it to every student, every clinician, no matter how long you've been out. Even he said re- in a recent study, they found that pain science works better in a lab than it did in a clinic, just like every other treatment. So, you know, a lot of the hardcore pain science people will say that, oh, manual therapy is placebo. But I've always that, you know, pain science is a placebo too. I could say, I could be a really nice guy if I wanted to, Gene. I could be super nice. I can get someone coffee. I could say, hey, all pain is from your pituitary gland or all pain comes from your liver. And, you know, in the end, like if you say a completely erroneous uh, message, but they still feel better and you reduce that anxiety and they start moving, moving again, um, you know, that's just placebo, right? Because I did something incorrect yet they still had a positive outcome. So, I mean, everything is placebo when the patient has a positive expectation of a, uh, a good benefit. And before we continue with more question and answer, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Ascend Event, which is the ultimate business summit for rehab professionals. Check out ascendevent.com to get your tickets. Now, I promised you a discount code for being an awesome Therapy Insiders listener, and you get just that. Head over to ascendevent.com and type in code THERAPYINSIDERS to get $100 off each ticket. Pretty cool, right? So, what is Ascend Event? I'm sure you've been hearing us talk about it, and Dr. Ben Fung and I are presenting at this year's event talking about digital marketing and how important it is for businesses. So we're really, really excited about it. But it's not just for business owners. It's not just for CEOs. It's not just for COOs. If you are working in a business, you should know that business because it helps you understand how everything runs. It helps the team come together. But I also wanted to learn a little bit more about Ascend and some of the speakers and what what was the genesis of it. So I grabbed Dr. Heidi Janenga, president and co-founder of WebPT, to give us a little breakdown on it. So Heidi, why start a business conference? Uh, you know, 
We really felt like when you put, and you're able to put the brightest minds in private practice PT, and even OT for that matter, together in one setting, truly incredible things can happen. So with Ascend, we wanted to create a very innovative environment that uh, you have the opportunity when you attend to discuss the ever-evolving world of business and learn from those who have kind of been there and done that, been there in your shoes for that matter, um, and that will challenge you to kind of bring your private practice to that next level. And like you said, Ascend is all about business, but this is an educational event. Um, we really feel like you're going to learn practical business tactics that you can definitely capitalize on in this, uh, this changing landscape. And first and foremost, we understand that if you're going to go to a conference, it's got, you've got to have that ROI. And so we've got nine CEUs that PTs and OTs can actually earn while they're at Ascend. We also have a lot of networking um, time during Ascend so that you can mingle with lots of different thought leaders and your colleagues to, to really um, try to gain as much as possible out of some of the strategies that you might be uh, learning within uh, the conference itself. So what kind of topics should we expect to hear at the Ascend Business Summit? Compliance changes, of course. We're going to really drive home some, some important information around outcomes. Uh, new PT and OT codes, the alternative payment system. We have a great presentation with, uh, which should be somewhat controversial. We've got all the different players who have opposing sort of uh, philosophies around the alternative payment models, which I think is going to be uh, some fireworks on stage, which I, I'm really excited about. Um, and then some of the payment ref payment reform and billing issues that we're we're all struggling with right now in private practice. So. It's going to be an awesome event, um, and I hope to see all of you there. Thanks, Heidi. I'm look, looking forward to that payment reform discussion since I'm moderating, so there should be plenty of fireworks. Again, please check out ascendevent.com. Type in Therapy Insiders for $100 off. Look forward to seeing you there. Let's do some networking. And now let's get back to this episode of Therapy Insiders with more questions and answers. Uh, it, it's, all, you know, it's all placebo, Joe. It's all placebo. You know, you, you don't need to spend. I don't think he's saying that he doesn't want to do it. I think he, he's he's on board with doing it. I I think you you spend as much uh, time doing it as a as a solo thing as needed, but not not any more than that. And then during your treatment, it should come up all, uh, throughout throughout all your exercises. You should, uh, you know, rather than count reps, <laughs> you better be doing doing some kind of education piece. I, I, that's that's what gets me. You know, we really need to be incorporating and, and educating on everything we're doing and why we're doing it and um, and and why it's going to uh, help. Um, you know, destimulate them and 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 uh, kind of uh, help them re-regulate um, their their pain. Uh, I, I think that that kind of uh, education piece needs to needs to be carried throughout your treatment, and it can't just be done in a five five minute uh, monologue. Right. I mean, education is something that needs to be said over and over again. You can't deliver this amazingly well thought out pain science message with great metaphors or stories or analogies and then never say it again. And that's just not the way education works. And, you know, Joe brought up a great point. I mean, I'll give this message when I'm moping someone. I'll give this message when I'm scraping someone. I'll give this message when they're warming up on a bike or I'll walk with them around a track and I'll talk with them. I'm not, it's not just like a psychiatrist and a patient on a couch, right? I mean, it, it's part of the session. I think that's how you spend if you have the time to spend 15 30 minutes with someone the whole thing is a dialogue it's not just you mashing on someone like in a research study i mean that's why i don't like research studies where things are studied in isolation there's no interaction it's like going in mashing on someone and just leaving <laughs> and having them fill out a questionnaire how they felt about it later <laughs> so how do you how do you make that more of a, a realistic application. H how do you find the balance between the bio, the psycho, and the social? 
how do I? I mean, um, I tell people that simply, I mean, you you can't ignore the mechanics because there is there's peripheral sensitivity and there's um, central sensitivity. And, you know, even though nociception or, you know, pain, like the threat of pain isn't present with tissue damage, it certainly can absolutely happen with tissue damage. And, um, you know, injuries still happen. And I always just say injury or pain happens when your training or your capacity um, exceeds or your training or your activity exceeds your capacity, period. So whether that's a physical thing and, you know, you have end up with like a tendon or ligamentous rupture or uh, an inflammatory process in a muscle, you rupture something um, or you just, you reach a limit where your brain says enough. I mean, it's all kind of the same thing, but you just can't ignore the periphery. I mean, it's, it's kind of a foolish thing to go all in. And, and I think there's a, there's a good dichotomy that people don't necessarily uh, see with Butler and Mosley. I mean, I think Butler has always been a manual therapist and he, every once in a while, he still talks about doing nerve, neural mobes and PDAs and how great they are for the nervous system. And I, I'm not sure if Mosley ever was, he might've just always been into exercise. Maybe he was almost just a, a researcher, but I know all his research before pain science was on motor control. So, you know, I think that's that's an important thing when when one of the major pain scientists it was always a manual therapist, he still talks about manual therapy, but it's always like your your background. When people say, I'm a recovering manual therapist, like some of the hardcore pain science people online, they say, I'm a recovering manual therapist, or I never got manual therapy to work for me. I just think, how could you have not got it to work for you? It works for everyone. I mean, like you must have just stunk at it if it didn't work for you. I mean, like <laughs> I don't understand. That's like saying I never got exercise to work for me. Right? I mean, I don't know. I don't you get suck it. at it. I that, guess that's, so. that's what you're saying. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, people, people remember extremes, right? You remember those huge victories or you remember those huge losses. And usually we forget, forget those. Um, but it's the day to day stuff that most people forget. And that's just, that's kind of human behavior. Right. What do you think, Joe? I think that, uh, that's the art, man. Find finding that balance. That's that's the art of physical therapy. Uh, I mean, it's it's not straight science. Um, you have to you have to meet the patient at a at a level that they're ready for. Um, and and if you if you press too hard, if you if you don't uh, press enough, you, then then you're Figure not going to get the, literally. You know, both. I think uh, I think you're not going to get you're not going to get an optimum outcome. Now, can you still get a positive outcome? Yeah, um, but I, I think that that uh, that is the um, certainly uh, the the practice portion of, of of what we do. You know, that's that's it. It just takes it takes a good feel for for your patient. There's no cookbook. Well, there's there's Chad Cook. There is a yes, there's Chad Cook's book, and there's also Greg yeah. Cook's book. They're both yeah. excellent books. There's a couple cookbooks, but yeah, right. I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think I mean that that's an important an important conversation. I think that could be probably an episode all in itself uh, because uh, it, it's critical. Actually, I think it, it'll tie in really well with the next question, which is a little bit bigger, a little bit more abstract. Uh, Brandon Paulus asked, what is the greatest lesson you have learned in this profession? And what are you currently learning now that you are enjoying? You want to start that one off, Joe? Now that I'm enjoying? Yeah, it's a two-parter. What's the biggest lesson you learned in in this profession? And what are you currently learning now that you're enjoying? Uh, Um... see biggest lesson i think that that i've learned i will i will start with uh with that is that um when you are out in in the working world um that's that's when you have to look at yourself and and try to try to keep up with with 
the research. You try to keep up with um, where the field is, and and I think that that is a bigger challenge than uh, you know when when you're when you're in school or when when you're just coming out. I, I don't feel like. Um, that's that's on the forefront of people's minds, but I think that in order to remain relevant and and really um, to do the best for your patients um, and and your uh, coworkers, right? Keep 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 the keep the environment um, that you work in uh, a productive one. Uh, a, 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 environment full of growth i think that's the hardest uh thing that is to really commit yourself to doing that on a regular basis um so uh and then once once you've once you've learned that um i think that uh it's just about how how tenacious you can be about keeping with it right how how much effort can you can you put into that and, and kind of keep that pattern going um let's see what am i what am i learning right now um i'm in the middle of uh learning about cupping <laughs> <laughs> and social media and social media that's right. That's right. Um, good, good things. Good things. What about yours? Uh, that's a really good question. I feel like it's it's definitely abstract. I mean, um, could you read the first part of the question over again? What was the most significant thing I've learned? Or what is the greatest lesson you've learned in this profession? Hmm. I would say be humble. I mean, I spent the better part of my career just being a know-it-all. And even though, like, deep down, I think... I probably know more than your average PT. Uh, I even talked about this, and I semi-joked about this last time in the podcast. The more research I, I read, the less confident about any of my explanations or mechanisms I get. Um, and, and I think that's, a, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And I think that, uh, you know, you have to be confident. You have to have a great patient interaction. But... The one thing that I really think it all comes down to is you just really have to learn how to read your patients and learn how to interact with them and learn how to motivate them and change the behavior. Like find, find like the one or two things that they really want to be able to do. Cause people always say like, what courses should I take? What, what should I focus on? But it, it's not the courses that will really change your outcomes because courses, you'll when you come back from a course, you'll invariably uh, have some kind of new assessment, some kind of new treatment that is going to help um, some of your patients that you were kind of s- stuck on. And then after three or four months, you're kind of just going to go back into the whatever rut it was you were in before. I mean, it's not necessarily because you forgot that knowledge, but it will be because um, you might be interacting with patients the same way. So... Uh, you know, Chris Johnson tells new grads uh, not necessarily to even focus on new courses, but just get out there and treat as many patients as you can and really just learn how to interact with them. And I think that's great advice. Uh, in terms of, you know, what else would I say? Uh, every five years or so, I think you need to have um, like a reflection on what what have you changed recently? Because if you haven't changed anything about the way you're explaining things or your assessment or your treatment, I'm not saying drastically, but you know, I like when patients come in and I haven't seen them in, in four or five years and they say, oh, this is really different or you didn't used to explain it that way or your focus on exercises is different. So, you know, I like hearing those things because if, if I saw someone that I hadn't seen in 10 years, um, not only would they be shocked at how many kids I have now, but, um, you know, I would I'd certainly want them to say, wow, I sure am glad you're doing things exactly the same, you know. Um, in terms of what am I learning now that I'm enjoying, uh, I would say I learned a lot about distance running this year and, and the science of programming. And I think um, I took a course recently from Matt Ibrahim and John Russin. And um, what it really made me realize is even though I used to be um, really heavy in the strength training before I got into running, 
I, I thought, oh, you know, I could, I got a CSCS, I could program for people. And I, after taking John's course, I realized there's a reason why John looks the way he does. I mean, he can do some amazing programming and the science of programming and recovery. Um, you know, I was just really, I'm just average at it. You know, I work out, but I don't know much about programming. I mean, I will say my goal is to get you back to a strength coach. So um, I'm learning about that. I'm learning a lot about gymnastics because now I'm, uh, I'm like a mini Dave Tilly. Dave, I taught Dave Tilly a lot when he was in school and now uh, I'm learning a lot from Dave Tilly because I'm like the official team doc for my girls gymnastics facility so I'm really enjoying working with with gymnasts and um, I'm going to transfer my practice I think to a strength conditioning place like a boutique gym in, in Buffalo rather than being in the big box so I'm super psyched for that and uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more bulk because all this running has kind of like made me wither away <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. I, I think I'm kind of combination of you two guys. Um, I think the the greatest lesson I learned is that you know we always say that patients aren't symptoms, uh, which is true, but also that clinicians aren't techniques. So patients are not symptoms, and clinicians are not techniques. It, it's it's that it's the combination of of building a relationship as quick as possible uh, was was the biggest thing I learned. I think that's the biggest thing I was looking forward to when I was in a regular clinic was creating those relationships and, and, um, seeing, seeing how we can, we can move forward through that, uh, the soft skills as we say. Uh, so that, that was, um, that, that was a, a big lesson to learn. Um, and obviously the currently is, is all, it's been mostly business is learning the business of, of, actual businesses, running businesses, creating businesses, marketing, um, and using, using those skills that I learned in the clinic of connecting with people and translating that into, um, into a scalable model and, um, delivering our message to, uh, to the mass populace, because I don't think that's done very well. We're, we're, again, we're pretty good at telling ourselves how good we are, but we need to, um, we need to be able to, to break through and uh, connect connect with others. All right, moving on, moving on. Next question comes from Mike, Mike SPT. He asks, what equipment do you feel is absolutely critical for someone just opening a, a clinic by themselves? In, 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 uh, in parentheses, I know ultrasound will not be one of those. And uh, he's talking about general orthopedics. Well, uh, I always talk about the small, the small uh, cash-based practice, or this, the practice within a practice model, which I think is very easy to do for new grads. Um, you know, I just recommend that you get something cheap, like a, a, a tablet with a Bluetooth keyboard, a Chromebook to document your notes. Uh, I'm big on using Google Apps as a type of very, very inexpensive but efficient EMR. Uh, you can get a uh, portable massage table and I was asked like, Hey, what table do you have in your videos? Um, you know, I just got a massage table for uh, 150 bucks on Amazon. You need, you want to have something like maybe, uh, power blocks, which are, you know, they go from like five to 55 pounds for, uh, for lifts and carries some TheraBand maybe uh, a ball uh, suspension trainer, like the suspension trainer, new product, um, you know, and, and just whatever, whatever tools you would need for your, for your manual therapies. I mean, if you're into needling or ISTM or whatever, but I mean, you don't really need a whole lot, um, especially if you have a model where you're, you, you do, you're mobile and you go into a gym or you go into a strength and conditioning place or you go into a CrossFit box. Um, but I mean, my first model was just a practice and a practice. And essentially my rent was, they, they paid me per patient. So they, they took a portion of the reimbursement because I wasn't cash-based yet. And it actually worked very, very well in terms of, um, you know, I, I had no overhead and I had um, no expenses other than, the, you know, what they took off of me. Uh, but, but in exchange, the secretary did all the billing for me. They submitted all my super bills and they did all the scheduling for me. I think it was, it was win-win. And I think it's a model that's not explored too often. And, and the owner was into it too, because, you know, I was just a 1099, um, for him. So, uh, that's more popular in Canada. I don't really know too many places that do that in the States, but I think that's very viable for someone who's just starting out. If you have to drive to do it, because it's still not, not easy. 
you know, I, I had I had started that practice after being 12 years, five minutes down the road, and a lot of the docs and patients that I had built up relationship with, they eventually found their way to me. Um, even though there was there was definitely a lull. Uh, for about maybe three or four months, I eventually got very, very busy. So got to have the drive, right? We can't tell you that you can start a practice, right, Gene? Can't tell you. Just tell you how. Right. Or, or, or the, the best possibility without actually saying it. What do you think, Joe? What, what do they need? You're, you're running a fairly, fairly big growing practice. What do you think? That's a pretty timely question because I'm uh, just coming up with with our list of uh, things to buy as we outfit our uh, next clinic, which will be open in October. Um, so uh, I am actively involved in in that uh, hunt right now. Here's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> You want to be, um, if you're just starting out with no other uh, practice or, or, or source of revenue to try to, you want to be as lean as possible, right? And and so uh, we can we we can kind of afford to buy some of the some of the fancier gadgets to outfit our our, our practice right now. Um, because Golden ultrasound handle. Yeah, because this is not this is not uh, our first startup, uh, and and we are uh, gonna gonna roll some of some of our other ventures into this one, right? And so, uh, but if you get bogged down in the details of trying to get all the equipment that you could possibly ever want, um, you're gonna you're 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 not gonna make it. If this is if if this is a first startup for you, so um, I'd like to throw this out there: the piece of equipment that makes the most money for our clinic probably is a standard metal chair that sits in the middle of the middle of the gym, and we do sit to stands and functional uh, activities uh, from from that chair all day long. We also do, you know, some some stretches or, or uh, thoracic spine extension from that chair. You think about it, think about what you really need. Um, it, it it really isn't it really isn't the fancy fancy stuff to to get the job done. Now, when when you've grown, uh, you need to you need to continue to invest in in your clinic because uh, perception is reality. And if your patients are coming in and, and you still have a, a gym that doesn't look like, doesn't look like a gym. Um, I, I think that, I think that they're gonna, they're gonna start to say, Hey, what's, what's, what's really going on here now? Um, if, if they're, if they continue to get better, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say that. But, um, I think that you have to, at some point you do need to look the part, but starting out, do you need a lot? No, I don't, I don't think you do. Um, but when when you're when you're going, um, am I against having an ultrasound machine? No, I'm not. People are going to come in and say, "Hey, do you do ultrasound?" And and the fact of the matter is, they don't really care whether or not it's effective. Uh, the the placebo thing, uh, it is is worth having one in in your clinic you're going to keep that patient uh and then you're going to get them better with your other techniques but they're going to believe that it was the ultrasound and <laughs> you know the fact that they stayed at your clinic was only because you had an ultrasound machine if you don't have one on the if you don't have one in the in the clinic they're not staying with you long enough. You, you, you haven't you haven't connected with them. You haven't built that bridge long enough to, um, you know, they're the customer. What they want is what they want. And if you can't give it to them until you can make them see that that what they need uh, is is really something else, then they're not going to be with you long. Uh, that's that's the that's the God's honest truth. And it depends on your audience, right? And and your and how you set things up. Um, if, if you want to be a little bit more athletic than, and you want to treat runners, obviously go get a treadmill, but you don't have to get a brand new top of the line treadmill. You can look at Craigslist, um, especially if you look at Craigslist um, around 
end of January, early February. Yeah, I mean, if um, you if you're going into a niche, you you have to have the things that that uh, make make that niche work, right? You have to you have to have those those kind of uh, tools. Um, but you know, if we're talking general orthopedics, um, I think I think Urson is right on. You you don't you don't need a lot of the fancy equipment to to do most of what you want to do but you need to continue to to reinvest in that in in your equipment as you grow agreed agreed by the way i I would just tell that patient to go to hell if they came in asking for ultrasound say no no patient no bad patient but we have cupping (laughs) but we have cupping um all right let's finish let's finish this out with um, probably the most abstract question that we got um, from Kenny Veneer, uh, fellow fellow philosopher and, and deep thinker. Kenny asked, what is the point of it all? Good answer. Cellar door is mine. What do you say, Joe? What did you say? Cellar door? Cellar door. By the way, hashtag figure that out anybody if whoever understands that tweet at me at therapy insiders where did i get that reference from i don't care <laughs> hashtag ha- hashtag both of us the underscore ompt where where where's urson's uh, reference from so joe the question becomes do you give us a straight answer or are you gonna are you gonna give a um another referenceable answer uh, I was. Is it going to be cryptic? Yeah, I know. I I I got to give a straight answer because I can't uh, I can't think of any uh, any more cryptic answers. All right, go for I it. I do know where Ursons is from though, but I won't I won't spoil it. We'll, Don't spoil we'll, it. We'll let we'll let it go. Um, what's what's the point of it all? What's the point of it all? Um, I think I think the point of it all is you you gotta you gotta get enjoyment out of out of what you do i get enjoyment out of sitting here and talking to you guys uh and i hope that some of our listeners uh enjoy listening to us (laughs) Uh, but some some of it some of it but um but i think i think you need to enjoy what you do and i think uh the that that is that is the point of it all if you if you enjoy what you do um, and, and that's, that's true. It's, it, it is a balance. Um, and, and part of what we do, uh, is to, to support, um, our families uh, on the other end of that balance. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you need to, you need to make a living, um, and if you, if you get, you got to make a living, uh, you should enjoy it. And I, that, I, that's what I do, uh, every day as a PT. Love it. Well, we're all going to die. Might as well do something you enjoy before that happens. Word. <laughs> um, all right, guys, I think we, we covered most of the questions. If we, if we didn't, uh, get all of them, we'll, uh, we'll do another one in a few months, another AMA. And obviously, uh, anybody's questions that didn't get answered, you can find us, um, on Twitter, um, at the OMPT, at Therapy Insiders and at Joe DPT. Shoot us an email, check out updocmedia.com, constantly evolving updocmedia.com. Got a lot of cool stuff coming out, pumping out a lot more content, blogs, and, um, a lot more videos coming soon your way. Uh, gentlemen, always a pleasure to get the three, the two of you together, the three of us on the podcast. And, um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we could do it more often, more frequent.